When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They have won the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy. Straight into the hands of the man on the mid-wicket boundary. Another one down. Hello and welcome to Storylines, the women's cricket podcast. We have our second ODI Ashes review. It was potentially one of the best games we've had so far and we can't wait to just dissect this. I'm Melissa Story and I'm joined by Nikki Chowdhury. Hello and good evening. How are you, Melissa? I am very good, Nikki. I've had the, a perfect evening, really. I've seen a fantastic... Actually, I'll give you the whole context of the day. My day started at 5.45 as I woke up in a hotel in Birmingham after an incredibly disappointing finals day from a Hampshire point of view. I then hopped in the car with some of my my colleagues. We drove down to Southampton. I waited half an hour for the most disgusting cup of tea I've ever drank in my life, but I needed it to revive myself. Uh, Then did an entire ODI, brilliant work, and ever since then I've been snacking on sweet potato fries and a couple gins so I'm incredibly pleasant this evening well you are glowing <laughs> thank you it's it's dehydration and probably the oil from the chips how are you I mean you've been DJing a festival today Nikki we've got a is it DJing or hosting I was hosting I'm not I'm not have not been allowed on the decks I'm I think that would be rather dangerous but yeah I was hosting a festival it was like they call it a Mela so I was hosting a Mela um and it was re- a long day but it was a lot of fun and we've had some great acts but my voice is kind of like on the verge of uh going as it's like it's gonna crack I can tell but um we're all right for now but yeah it was good not as exciting as yours though. I didn't get any sweet potato fries although I did get a crepe well a crepe's still satisfactory I'd say and I must say your voice it sounds a little bit husky but I like it it's a bit Hollywood I like so- a husky voice <laughs> 
To give a bit of context for this game, of course, if you missed it, in the end, Australian women, they won by three runs. They batted first, set a total of 282 for seven. And that was after losing the toss. The big decision was made by England. They said they wanted to bowl first. They wanted to chase. So 282 set as a target. It would have been England's highest successful run chase if they had chased it down, of course, bettering the record they'd just set on Wednesday. So a big target for, for England to chase. And in the end, they fell just short despite a pretty magnificent century from, from Nat Siverbrunt. 111 not out at the end. Let's start from the beginning, Nikki, because for me, I mean, Lauren Bell stole the show almost in two ways today. And I, I'd really like to talk about her because there's almost a bit of a, a sensation which happens when players necessarily, you know, get hit for a few runs. We saw it with Stuart Broad when he got hit for his sixes and we've seen it with Ben Stokes in, in the T20 World Cup final. Lauren Bell bowled exceptionally today. She got the first two wickets for England, essential breakthroughs of, of Healy and Litchfield. Bowled really well up until the final over where she was taken for 26 runs by Georgia Wareham. Now, there's been a lot of talk and I don't necessarily like it around the media of saying that you know, the match was lost for England in that over. I don't feel comfortable saying that. I don't know how you feel about that, Nikki, but for me, attributing the blame for, for a loss almost on one over, which took place in the whole game, doesn't feel right. I agree with you. I don't think it's down to that one over because at that level, especially at the point when Bell came into bowl her last few overs, Australia were going to go after her because they needed to get as many on the board, right? Warren was in, she'd only faced 14 deliveries, she scored 37, and they were going to target Bell because England weren't going to bowl anyone else, really, at that point. It didn't go as well for Lauren Bell. But in terms of England could have perhaps looked at the situation in terms of addressing the field slightly better. For me, it was, you know, the lack of support, I think, available for Lauren Bell. You didn't have some some of the, the, the experienced players coming up to her in you know, in the middle of the over and saying, look, don't panic, don't worry. She had the confidence to bowl her slower balls and, and just, you know, things weren't executing properly. And of course, the benefit of hindsight, you go back and you watch that over and you go, I just wish an experienced player had gone to her and gone, it's brilliant that you're trying to bring the stumps into play. It's what you do great as a bowler. But actually, what are the chances of Wareham being able to hit, you know, a full delivery outside the off stump? I would rather she was bowling it there. And even if in the end she bowled two wides because she was really pushing that wide line. But, you know, yes, if you were bowling to one of the Australian top order, they may have been able to slice her through the covers or take her over extra cover. Georgia Wareham did brilliantly but you know a lot of it came from brute force she was just trying to get as many runs on the board as possible would she have been able to play those those more expansive shots over the offside I'm not so sure and I think if there was a more senior player had just gone to Lauren Bow and said look I know we had our plans in place for the final over but we're gonna have to make an adjustment we're gonna have to change this now because it's not working but don't panic you know and, and Lauren Bell's suddenly going off the pitch in, in tears you know and I don't personally like to see any player feeling like that much responsibility for, for something happening within a team sport. You're right. I think it did look like it was the pre-match sit-down and scouting where this is the plan. If When we throw Bell the ball, this is what you're going to do. And they kind of just went with that to the T rather than think, actually, this might actually hit the fan and not work. What's plan B? And we need to be okay to go to plan B. It was like, right, this is what we're going to do. And this is what we're going to execute. It doesn't really matter. And I think at that point, again, 
a bit more experience would have potentially helped England in that situation. And of course, the Australian batters, there's a there's a few notable innings. We mentioned George Ware and it, it was sensational to watch, you know, from a cricketing perspective, independent fans, cracking, striking. And then, of course, Annabelle Sutherland chipped in with runs, as she always seems to do at important moments. She scored 50 or 47. Elise Perry, Nikki, for Australia, she scored 91 of 124 balls. Now, there was a lot of debate in our, in our commentary box around this innings and whether it was well-paced on the surface. Do you think she played things correctly? She was the anchor for Australia. And in fact, if she hadn't have batted at the, the pace she did, then wickets would have crumbled around her. Or do you think the innings of Sutherland and Wareham potentially proved she could have scored a bit quicker? I think you can't speak so soon, especially having Sutherland and Wareham down the order, right? Anything could have happened. So the fact that Perry's in there at four, she's got a job and she's able to, keep the innings going she's dug in deep and she can pace the innings her style of play around that should she have needed to pick it up later then obviously that is there but I think given the situation two wickets lost in the first five overs for Australia it is good that she just dug in and to be fair she didn't really have a bad strike rate it was 73 so we're playing 50 over game if you're really going to start complaining and be that nitty and picky on strike rates and at the end of the day she scored 91 unfortunately she was dropped as well earlier wasn't she well this is a this is another thing as well of this whole attributing things to that final over saying that's the moment England have you know potentially lost the ashes how about when Perry was dropped you know how many catches have England dropped in this ashes series and of course They've dropped catches in the matches before and gone on to, to, to win. And today, things didn't go their way. What's gone wrong for England? Because I've seemed to remember watching them before and thinking, as soon as the ball's gone in the air, it's going to be taken. Are we looking at these catches perhaps from a, a higher standard now that we're seeing more women's cricket, more franchise leagues? Or have England's standards just dropped? First, I want to say I did have a look at the highlights when I got back this evening and talking about the number of catches dropped, the highlights did just kind of go drop catch, drop catch, drop catch, which really does uh, prove your point. I'm not sure. I think it's potentially the pressure as well. Obviously, so much was at stake going into this game, right? It was the, the decider, six or I think high pressure situations can end up affecting how many catches you can take as well because there's a lot at stake but I wouldn't really pose it under the fact that we've got more women's cricket going on I don't see where you're coming from with that exactly Alex Blackwell has been part of our commentary team and she ranks each drop catch in her kind of scale of one to three. I think there's a way about how you drop your catches. There's always, everyone drops catches. I think that's a given, right? You can't say, even like the best fielder in the world would drop a catch. But I think it's the way you go about dropping your catch, your anticipation under it. And sometimes there are basic catches which are at that level when you are playing international cricket, are your minimum standard, right? So your minimum standard is raised once you are playing international cricket and I think we do need to understand that if it changes from domestic it changes from county if you go like how or what your minimum level is again as you probably said Alex Blackwell will be rating those catches on a I think similar sort of basis yes yeah she's got I think her ones is catches which 
definitely should have been taken. I think Kate Cross's catch was ranked as a, as a one, her drop at mid-off, and then goes up to three when it's like, OK, they could have done that. But, you know, if they didn't, it's not necessarily a bad thing. But I guess in that case, as the game has become more professionalised, I guess there's more scrutiny about and people are more prepared to, to, to scrutinise because like, I guess even a few years ago, I remember watching women's cricket on TV and, you know, a, a lot of the players who played for England had just become professional but at a domestic level there was no such thing and drops would go down in the games and the commentators would kind of go oh she tried really hard there but now of course as I say I don't know whether that the standards because they have gone up so much it's brilliant that there is that kind of constructive criticism from the commentary boxes saying no she should have taken that one these are professional athletes but I wonder whether you know at some points we're, we're so harsh in the commentary box maybe it's just maybe it's just the box I'm in and we're just all really horrible harsh people saying that England should be taking one-handed screamers all the time it could be that but also I think with the level of money that has gone into the women's game in terms of salaries and how that has really boomed I think there comes an expectation with the money invested and the quality of cricket received. And I always find it's a similar pressure to when I play men's cricket on the weekend that I'm desperate not to do anything wrong because when I'm the only woman in the, the woman in the team as well, I'm sometimes like, if I don't get runs, some of these guys here are going to think that women can't play cricket. If I bowl one wide, then they're suddenly I'm representing the entire, you know, every single woman who plays cricket. And I guess it's a similar sense of, you know, when we've seen women's cricket on the TV now, we've seen such big audiences, you almost feel a little bit gutted when those easier catches go down because you're going, this isn't actually as good as, you know, England can field. And actually you worry that new fans have been attracted to the game. They turn on the television and you see that kind of drop and then they go, ah, this isn't for me. This isn't the standard I want to see. So it is disappointing. Another thing which I, I guess slightly disappointed was that of course, we spoke in, in the last ODI podcast about England's use of Alice Capsey, how they managed to get nine overs with Alice Capsey, bowling her part-time spin. And it gave England and Heather Knight just a few more options. Today, Australia seemed to have changed their tactics to her a bit. She only bowled two overs. She went for 15. Is that a good adjustment from Australia? Because I think they were maybe just a little bit too soft on Capsy last time. They let her get through eight overs before hitting her for a boundary. She was bowling with mid-off and mid-on in most of the middle overs. Exactly, and I think they really did suss that opportunity in the second ODI because compared to the last game where they probably were a bit more hesitant trying to figure out how they would play against Capsy, I think this game they were very clear that actually they can take her out of the attack and really cash in in the overs that she is bowling. Now, England in reply, as we mentioned, needed 283 runs to win from their 50 overs. And things again started a little bit shakily for Sophia Dunkley, who was removed for 13. Me and Simon spoke in the last podcast about Sophia Dunkley in this opening spot and whether England maybe should should look at the likes of a Danny Wyatt or even, I thought, as, a, as another wild suggestion, Nikki. Alice Capsey at the top of the order could be another one. She seems quite set on playing a certain style of cricket, of playing that T20 cricket in a one-day international. Did England almost throw caution to the wind and say, let's put a Wyatt or a Capsey at the top of the order, give them the chance to give her the whack, and then let's save Dunkley for later to play perhaps maybe a, a, a smarter innings? What are your thoughts, Nick? Because we didn't hear them the other day. Yeah, so I managed to listen to a bit of that episode with you and Simon. I think what you just mentioned there, that sentence, should we just put them in there to give them a whack? I think if they're going to go with that motto, then 
you might even end up getting a similar result as we've seen with Sophia Dunkley. So again, it goes with mindset. I would not potentially personally put Capsi in to open. I think probably Danny White is a better option and she's also got a lot more experience behind her. But I do agree with Simon thinking that Sophia Dunkley should potentially go down the order slightly because she's failed really in the last few innings and it's not exactly the start that England would be hoping for from their openers especially in the longer format with 50 overs to go and especially today's dismissal I just don't think it was needed that shot was at that moment in time just was too high a risk reward was zilch and Sophia Dunkley knowing that she does need to get runs on the board and to her name it just did not seem like a sensible shot. You had so much time ahead of you. It was just something like, I need to score runs and I'm feeling the pressure of it. I need to do something different. And I believe the comms team on TV did also pretty much reiterate similar thoughts. Sorry, Nikki. Did you just say the commentary team on TV? When you have your co-host on radio... And you were watching TV. This is disgraceful. I had to watch the highlights when I got back. There's radio highlights, Nikki. It's fine. I'm going to let it slide. I'm going to let it slide. I hear your voice a lot, by the way. Nikki listens to me too much. She needs a break. I get it. I understand. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power. Loyalty and luck I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you wanna get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday I will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary VGW group voidware prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply now, I want to talk about a certain delivery bowled by Lana King to take the wicket of Tammy Beaumont. What a delivery. What a corker. That was an absolute beauty. I think Alana King is going to be very chuffed with herself and is probably going to be thinking about that plenty of times tonight. Beat her in the air, beat her off the wicket, and Tammy Beaumont really had no idea. She kind of just plodded that front foot and it was... Yeah, the end of Bowman's innings, and it was a very good wicket from Alana King. As a leg spinner, that's the sort of wickets you want to be taking, though. That puts you in a really good position, builds your confidence up. And obviously, if you can get a wicket like that of Tammy Beaumont going into your spell, you're just going to be bowling with a lot more confidence as well. Just cracking. And I think it was fitting that, obviously, the wicket was taken playing at the Aegeus Bowl, the, the home of Shane Warne in, in England and, and Wales. So, you know, and I know there's there's been a, a bit of a relationship between Shane Warne and Alana King. So it was brilliant to see that. And of course, Australia have the options of having Georgia Wareham and Alana King. So if Alana King's taking wickets like that, she may just, you know, so it's a nice little battle going on. And actually, another thing I wanted to talk about, because we did predict it, 
We said, are Australia going to be bold enough to go with two leg spinners? They were. And are Australia going to be bold enough to open the bowling with spin? They were. They opened with Ash Gardner. Nikki, we can see into the future. It's like you're the cricket whisperer, Melissa. I know Simon's got the analyst. I'm not quite sure how much the cricket whisperer is going to catch on. It sounds a little bit creepy. Sounds like I'd, I'd sneak onto the pitch whilst the players are out there under an invisibility cloak and go, player cover drive. Australia just choosing to be a bit more bold with their tactics, their use of spin. They used four spinners in their innings, in the end electing to drop Darcy Brown, who's had pace. She's been good for Australia, maybe a little bit wayward with the extras early on. And in the end, they just relied on on the likes of Megan Shute and Annabelle Sutherland, Talia McGrath. They've got their all-rounders for their, for their seam and were able to fire with those four spinners, which, I mean, really takes us to the innings Nats over Brunts, 111 not out. She's been in this situation, Nikki, so many times where she has been left not out on 100 in crucial gut-wrenching situations where I'm not sure many England fans would have thought that this game would have gone to the final ball. But because Nats over Brunt was out there, there's always that little bit of hope that something could happen. We saw it last year in the Eliminator at, at the Aegeus Bowl when Nat Silverbrunt was playing for the Trent Rockets. She smacked three sixes in a row. She needed just the four to win in the end and she didn't get it. So we know what she can do. And I mean, it was... I know, I know you've been supporting Australia this series. We've accepted it. We're fine with it. But You owe me a drink, by the way. <laughs> did your heart... Almost feel a little bit broken for that silver brunt at the end there. It did, because obviously we know she's one of the best players in the women's game. And she really did fight hard for her team. And going into that final over where they required 15 to win off Jess Jennison's over. And the fact they got so close, I think the that's even more upsetting i think as a player when you're so close it just goes to show obviously uh show obviously what sort of player she is she's really a league like a completely differently out of out of this league i don't even have words to describe her i must ask you though i believe uh cat silver brunt was a. Uh, also in the comms box during that um, 100 moments. So can you please tell us what it was like? It was actually really emotional because, you know, they're, they're such a, a power couple, really. And seeing Catherine celebrate Nat's century was brilliant. You know, there was raw emotions there. She was screaming. She was fist pumping. It was quite alarming because normally when Nat's batting, you can hear retching from the back of the commentary box, which is Catherine literally being physically enabled to watch Nat bat because she's just so stressed out for her. In the end, actually, she, she went off air just to focus on the England's run chase, which, you know, Catherine Silverbrunt, she has been such an addition to our commentary box because she adds, obviously, the amazing perspective of, playing for England for years and years and, you know, having that knowledge with the bat and the ball, and particularly passionate about fielding as well. So these drop catches have been driving her up the wall. But, you know, she's she's an amazing person to also have that bit of, you know, insight for, for Nat, Nat Silverbrunt as a person and how she operates as a batter. Because as you say, she's a once in a generation kind of player for England and unfortunately wasn't able to get them over the line. So it is Australia who retains the Ashes. Of course, there is one more ODI to play on Tuesday, though, at Taunton. So you get to the weird situation where England has the chance to draw this Ashes series by winning on Tuesday. And if England do win on Tuesday, they would have won the ODI series, won the T20 series, but still lost the Ashes. So unusual. Australia desperately want to win on Tuesday because they don't just want to retain the Ashes. They want to win it. Just before, you know, we preview that, 
One thing I thought England could have maybe improved on in their run chase was some of their, their game scenario tactics. And we spoke about Heather Knight taking a single on the first ball of the over in that run chase at Bristol. And it felt a similar kind of mistakes were being made with Nat Siverbrunt and Sarah Glenn out in the middle as well. I don't know if you, you know that the TV highlights showed what was happening here. But I, I just wonder, and actually this was a question sent in at Storylines Pod on, on Twitter by, by Yosef, who kind of said that, you know, the players as professionals now, should, you know, players have a better understanding of these game scenarios? Should they be better at turning down the single to keep Nat Siverbrunt on strike? 100%. I think we've seen enough cricket in men's and women's, especially even with the Vitality Blast Finals last night. Essex were chasing and it was pretty much the last two overs, one wicket in hand. And I think at that point they knew exactly which batter to keep on strike, right? Because, yeah, so Sam Cook and Dan- Daniel Sams were at the crease. To, they knew exactly who to keep on strike with not many balls remaining either. So we've seen so much, not just in county cricket, we've seen it in international cricket where you are going to give the set batter that opportunity because they are seeing the ball like a football at that point and that's if a brunt definitely was today. And I don't think much blame would then fall on anyone else at that point either because you are doing what's right for the team as a whole as well because you're going with a batter who's seeing the ball clearly hitting the ball well and has pretty much sussed out how they're going to score runs and they've got a bit more understanding of the field as well I don't think it's a slight on Sarah Glenn that you know Nat Siverbrunt may have turned down a single and I think there's almost this concern of Sarah Glenn can bat. She's got runs this year. She's done brilliantly, but she's no Nat Silverbrunt. And I just think there was almost needed to be that bit more ruthlessness in the end from England where, you know, they went, actually, this is getting really close. We need to hit at least one boundary and over. The person who's going to do that is Nat Silverbrunt. Exactly. So you're going to be trying to back them and get them on strike as much as you can, right? So even it means just knock it in for a gap and run to the non-strikers end and just let Nat do her thing on the other end. And more often than not, you should be able to get that boundary per over. Um, I think you're right. They probably do want to assess that going into the third ODI as well. And another thing that I did see is uh, Australia's captain, Alyssa Healy, did mention that they have not played their best cricket yet. So if this is not the best level of international women's cricket... I am very excited for this third ODI. Well, this is my final question for you. Of course, we're buzzing to see how this Ashes series is going to end. So far from what we've seen, Nikki, has this been one of the best Ashes series we've we've ever seen? I think it has. It's been absolutely fantastic. The, the way the games have played out, it's been neck and neck and they've been such tight matches and I think when the games get tight, it really does tell you what the quality of cricket is. And I think Heather Knight as well said that um, this has probably been one of the best series she's pay- played as well, right? So it just goes to say if the players are feeling that, then obviously it's an absolute treat for the audience. You sense excitement being generated by the players, you know, within the media, within the crowds. It was another brilliant crowd at the Aegeus Bowl, 12,000 plus in to go see a, a simply stunning game of cricket. As we say, any game of cricket which goes down to the final ball is going to be a cracker. And this series has just provided so many thrilling games. 
I can't wait for this last one, but I'm also going to be a bit upset to see our Wash's dailies go. I've I've loved doing them. Yeah, I've enjoyed seeing your face, but unfortunately, it's not going to be as regular after Tuesday. It's been fun, it's been entertaining, and it's definitely been jam-packed. That's okay. This is the time where if we had the budget, I would point to the DJ in the corner of the room, he would start playing sad music, and we would all slow dance on our Zoom call as we cry about how we only have one Wesh's Daily left. But yeah, we we would sway. We'd have the phone torches out. It would be lovely. But we do have an exciting podcast coming your way, don't we? We must tell people that we've got an exciting one coming. We can't say much yet, but it is not part of the Ashes Daily updates. But there is some exciting podding coming your way. There we go. There you have it. You can stay excited for that Tuesday Washes review and you can look out for future episodes as after this Women's Ashes series, we're going to be jumping back into our fortnightly episodes, bringing you our old segments such as It's a Man's World, as well as breaking down some of the key issues in women's cricket at the moment. But for us, for now, that's everything. What a brilliant game. Please do continue to get in touch with us at Storylines Pod on Twitter or Instagram. Make sure that you're also keeping track of the analyst inside cricket, particularly with the Old Trafford Test Match, the fourth men's Test Match starting soon. They're also giving daily breakdowns of the day's play. But from me and Nikki, it's time to say goodbye. Bye! Podcast Network. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.